0: 21. Antipsychotics. Serotonin dopamine antagonists and similarly acting drugs, second-generation OR atypical antipsychotics. The SGAs, also known as second-generation or atypical antipsychotic drugs, are a group of pharmacologically diverse drugs that have largely supplanted the older dross. The term atypical is used because these drugs differ in their side effect profiles, most notably lower risk of extrapyramidal side effects, extrapyramidal symptoms, and have spectra of action that are broader than those of the dross. However, this term is becoming something of a misnomer, as the drugs are now more commonly used than the typical antipsychotics. In contrast to the earlier antipsychotic drugs, the SGA's have significant effects on both the dopamine and serotonin systems. Their pharmacology is complex, with individual drugs in this group having multiple neurotransmitter effects. All SGA's are indicated for the treatment of schizophrenia. Most of these SGA drugs have also received approval as monotherapy or adjunctive therapy in the treatment of bipolar disorder. Some have also been approved as adjuncts for the treatment of major depression. As of 2020, 13 SGA drugs were approved by the FDA. These include the following. Aripiprazole, marketed as Abilify. Acenopine maleate, marketed as Saphris; Brexpiprazole, marketed as T; cariprazine, marketed as Vralor. Clozapine, marketed as Clozaril; Iloperidone, marketed as Phenapt. lumateperone, marketed as Caplita. Liracidone, marketed as Latuta. Olanzapine, marketed as Zyprexa, and as Symbiax in combination with Fluoxidine. Paliperidone, marketed as Invega. Quetiapine, marketed as Seroquil. Risperidone, marketed as Risperdal. Ziprasidone, marketed as Geodin. It is arguable whether the SGAs represent an improvement in overall tolerability than the dross. Although there is an improvement concerning a lowered, not absent, risk of extrapyramidal symptoms, most of the drugs in this group often produce substantial weight gain which in turn increases the potential for the development of diabetes mellitus. Olanzapine and Clozapine appear to account for most cases of weight gain and drug-induced diabetes mellitus. The other agents pose a smaller risk of these side effects. Nevertheless, the FDA has requested that all SGAs carry a warning label that patients taking the drugs need to be monitored closely, and has recommended the following factors be considered for all patients prescribed SGAs. Personal and Family History of Obesity, Diabetes, Dyslipidemia, Hypertension, and Cardiovascular Disease. Weight and height, so that body mass index can be calculated. Waist circumference, at the level of the umbilicus. BP. Fasting plasma glucose level. Fasting lipid profile. Patients with pre-existing diabetes should have regular monitoring, including hemoglobin A1c, HbA1c, and, in some cases, insulin levels. Among these drugs, clozapine sits apart. It is not considered a first-line agent because of side effects, hematologic, and the need for weekly blood tests. Although highly effective in treating both mania and depression, clozapine does not have an FDA indication for these conditions. Mechanisms of Action The presumed antipsychotic effects of the SDAs are blockade of D2 dopamine receptors. Where the SDAs differ from older antipsychotic drugs is their higher ratio interactions with serotonin receptor subtypes, most notably the 5-HT2A subtype, as well as with other neurotransmitter systems. It is hypothesized that these properties account for the distinct tolerability profiles associated with each of the SDAs. All SDAs have different chemical structures, receptor affinities, and side effect profiles. No SDA is identical in its combination of receptor affinities, and the relative contribution of each receptor interaction to the clinical effects is unknown. Therapeutic indications. Although initially approved for the treatment of schizophrenia and acute mania, some of these drugs have also been approved as adjunctive therapy in treatment-resistant depression and as adjunctive therapy in major depressive disorder, MDD. They are also useful in PTSD and anxiety disorders. Although clinicians tend to use them in behavioral disturbances associated with dementia, all SDAs carry an FDA-boxed warning regarding adverse effects when used in elderly persons with dementia-related psychoses, because elderly patients with dementia-related psychoses are at an increased risk, one, to one Times, of death compared with placebo. All of these agents are considered first-line drugs for schizophrenia except clozapine, which may cause adverse hematologic effects that require weekly blood sampling. Schizophrenia and Schizoaffective Disorder. The SDAs are useful for treating acute and chronic psychoses such as schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder, in both adults and adolescents. SDAs are as good as or better than typical antipsychotics, DROS, for the treatment of positive symptoms in schizophrenia and superior to DROS for the treatment of negative symptoms. Compared with persons treated with DROS, persons treated with SDAs have fewer relapses and require less frequent hospitalization, fewer emergency department visits, less phone contact with mental health professionals, and less treatment in day programs. Because clozapine has potentially life-threatening adverse effects, it is appropriate only for patients with schizophrenia who are resistant to all other antipsychotics. Other indications for clozapine include treatment of persons with severe tardive dyskinesia, which can be reversed with high dosages in some cases, and those with a low threshold for extrapyramidal symptoms. Persons who tolerate clozapine have done well on long-term therapy. The effectiveness of clozapine may be increased by augmentation with risperidone, which raises clozapine concentrations and sometimes results in dramatic clinical improvement. Mood disorders. Most of the SDAs, clozapine being a notable exception, are FDA-approved for the treatment of acute mania. Some of these agents, including aripiprazole, olanzapine, quetiapine, and quetiapine XR, are also approved for the maintenance treatment in bipolar disorder as monotherapy or adjunctive therapy. The SDAs improve depressive symptoms in schizophrenia, and both clinical experience and clinical trials show that all of the SDAs augment antidepressants in the acute management of major depression. At this time, olanzapine, in combination with fluoxetine, has been approved for treatment-resistant depression, and aripiprazole and quetiapine XR are indicated for adjunctive therapy to antidepressants in MDDs. Quetiapine and quetiapine XR are also approved in bipolar depression. A fixed combination of olanzapine and fluoxetine, Symbiax, is approved as a treatment for acute bipolar depression. Other indications About 10% of patients with schizophrenia exhibit outwardly aggressive or violent behavior, and the SDAs are effective for the treatment of such aggression. Other off-label indications include Acquired Immunodeficiency Syndrome, AIDS, Dementia, Autism Spectrum Disorders, Tourette Disorder, Huntington Disease, and Lachian Syndrome. Risperidone and Olanzapine have been used to control aggression and self-injury in children. These drugs are sometimes co-administered with stimulants to children with Alzheimer's disease HD who are comorbid for either oppositional affiant disorder or conduct disorder. SDAs, especially olanzapine, quetiapine, and clozapine, are useful in persons who have severe tardive dyskinesia. The SDAs are also effective for treating psychotic depression and for psychosis secondary to head trauma, dementia, or treatment drugs. Treatment with SDAs decreases the risk of suicide and water intoxication in patients with schizophrenia. Patients with treatment-resistant OCD have responded to the SDAs. However, a few persons treated with the SDAs have been noted to develop treatment-emergent symptoms of OCD. Some patients with borderline personality disorder may improve with the SDAs. Some data suggest that treatment with conventional dross has protective effects against the progression of schizophrenia when used during the first episode of psychosis. Ongoing studies are looking at whether the use of SDAs in at-risk patients with early evidence of disease prevents deterioration, thus improving long-term outcomes. Adverse Effects The SDAs share a similar spectrum of adverse reactions but differ considerably in terms of frequency or severity of their occurrence. Specific side effects that are more common with an individual SDA are emphasized in the discussion of each drug in subsequent text. Risperidone, Risperdal. Indications. Risperidone is indicated for the acute and maintenance treatment of schizophrenia in adults and the treatment of schizophrenia in adolescents ages 13 to 17 years. Risperidone is also indicated for the short-term treatment of acute manic or mixed episodes associated with bipolar eye disorder in adults and children and adolescents ages 10 to 17 years. The combination of risperidone with lithium or valproate is indicated for the short-term treatment of acute manic or mixed episodes associated with bipolar eye disorder. Risperidone is also indicated for the treatment of irritability associated with an autistic spectrum disorder in children and adolescents ages 5 to 16 years, including symptoms of aggression toward others, deliberate self-injuriousness, temper tantrums, and quickly changing moods. Pharmacology. Risperidone is a benzosoxazole. It undergoes extensive first-pass hepatic metabolism to 9-hydroxyrisperidone a metabolite with equivalent antipsychotic activity. Peak plasma levels of the parent compound occur within 1 hour for the parent compound and 3 hours for the metabolite. Risperidone has bioactivity of 70%. The combined half-life of risperidone and 9-hydroxyrisperidone averages 20 hours, so it is useful in once-daily dosing. Risperidone is an antagonist to the serotonin-5-HT2A, dopamine D2, alpha-1-adrenergic and alpha-2-adrenergic, and histamine H1 receptors. It has a low affinity for alpha-adrenergic and muscarinic cholinergic receptors. Risperidone is a potent antagonist of D2 receptors, as potent as haloperidol. However unlike haloperidol it causes less extrapyramidal symptoms. Dosages. The recommended dose range and frequency of risperidone dosing have changed since the drug first came into clinical use. Risperidone is available in 0, 0, 1, 2, 3, and 4 mg tablets and a 1 to mg per milliliter oral solution. The initial dosage is usually 1-2 to mg at night, which can then be increased to 4 mg per day. Positron Emission Tomography Studies have shown that dosages of 1-4 to mg per day provide the required D2 blockade for a therapeutic effect. At first, it was believed that because of its short elimination half-life, risperidone should be given twice a day, but studies have shown equal efficacy with once-a-day dosing. Dosages above 6 mg a day are associated with a higher incidence of adverse effects, particularly extrapyramidal symptoms. There is no correlation between plasma concentrations and therapeutic effects. Dosing guidelines for adolescents and children are different from those for adults, requiring lower starting dosages. Higher dosages are associated with more adverse effects. Side effects. The extrapyramidal symptoms of risperidone is largely dosage-dependent, and there has been a trend to using lower doses than initially recommended. Weight gain, anxiety, nausea and vomiting, rhinitis, erectile dysfunction, orgasmic dysfunction, and increased pigmentation are associated with risperidone use. The most common drug-related reasons for discontinuation of risperidone use are extrapyramidal symptoms, dizziness, hyperkinesias, somnolence, and nausea. Marked elevation of prolactin may occur. Weight gain occurs more commonly with risperidone use in children than in adults. Risperidone is also available as an orally disintegrating tablet, Risperdal M-Tab, which is available in 0, 1, and 2 mg strengths, and in a depot formulation, Risperdal Consta, which is given as an intramuscular, IM, injection formulation every two weeks. The dose may be 25, 50, or 75 mg. Oral risperidone should be co-administered with risperdal consta for the first three weeks before being discontinued. Drug Interactions. Inhibition of CYP2D6 by drugs such as paroxetine and fluoxetine can block the formation of risperidone's active metabolite. Risperidone is a weak inhibitor of CYP2D6 and has little effect on other drugs. Combined use of risperidone and SSRIs may result in significant elevation of prolactin, with associated galactorrhea and breast enlargement. Paliperidone, in vega. Indications. Paliperidone is indicated for the acute and maintenance treatment of schizophrenia. Paliperidone is also indicated for the acute treatment of schizoaffective disorder as monotherapy or as an adjunct to mood stabilizers or antidepressants. Pharmacology. Paliperidone is a benzisoxazole derivative and is the primary active metabolite of risperidone. Peak plasma concentrations (Cmax) are achieved approximately 24 hours after dosing, and steady-state concentrations of paliperidone are attained within 4 or 5 days. The hepatic isoenzymes CYP2D6 and CYP3A4 play a limited role in the metabolism and elimination of paliperidone, so no dose adjustment is required in patients with mild or moderate hepatic impairment. Dosage: Paliperidone is available in 3, 6, and 9 mg tablets. The recommended dosage is 6 mg once daily administered in the morning. It can be taken with or without food. It is also available as extended-release tablets, which are also available in 3, 6, and 9 mg tablets administered once daily. It is recommended that no more than 12 mg should be administered per day. A long-acting formulation of paliperidone, Invega Cystena, is given by injection once a month. Invega Cystena is available as a white-to-off-white sterile aqueous extended-release suspension for intramuscular injection in dose strengths of 39, 78, 117, 156, and 234 mg paliperidone palmitate. The drug product hydrolyzes to the active moiety, paliperidone, resulting in dose strengths of 25, 50, 75, 100, and 150 mg of paliperidone, respectively. Invega Sistena is provided in a pre-filled syringe with a plunger stopper and tip cap. The kit also contains two safety needles, a 1.5-in-22-gauge safety needle and a 1-in-23-gauge safety needle. It has a half-life of 25-49 to days. Monthly injections of 117 mg are recommended, although higher or lower dosages can be used depending on the clinical situation. The first two injections should be in the deltoid muscle because plasma concentrations are 28% higher with deltoid versus gluteal administration. Subsequent injections can alternate between gluteal and deltoid sites. Side effects. The dose of paliperidone should be reduced in patients with renal impairment. It may cause more sensitivity to temperature extremes, such as very hot or cold conditions. Paliperidone may cause an increase in QT, QTC, interval and should be avoided in combination with other drugs that cause prolongation of QT interval. It may cause orthostatic hypotension, tachycardia, somnolence, akathisia, dystonia, extrapyramidal symptoms, and Parkinsonism. Olanzapine, Zyprexa. Indications. Olanzapine is indicated for the treatment of schizophrenia oral olanzapine is indicated for use as Monotherapy for the acute treatment of Manic or Mixed Episodes Associated with Bipolar Eye Disorder and Maintenance Treatment of Bipolar Eye Disorder. oral olanzapine is also indicated for the treatment of Manic or Mixed Episodes Associated with Bipolar Eye Disorder as an Adjunct to Lithium or Valproate, and olanzapine can also be used in combination with Fluoxetine for the treatment of depressive episodes associated with Bipolar Eye Disorder. oral olanzapine and Fluoxetine in Combination Symbiax, is indicated for the treatment of treatment-resistant depression. Olanzapine monotherapy is not indicated for the treatment of treatment-resistant depression. Pharmacology. Approximately 85% of olanzapine is absorbed from the GI tract, and about 40% of the dosage is inactivated by first-pass hepatic metabolism. Peak concentrations are reached in 5 hours, and the half-life average is 31 hours, range 21 to 54 hours. It is given in once-daily dosing. In addition to 5-HT2A and D2 antagonism, Olanzapine is an antagonist of the D1, D4, alpha-1, 5-HT1A, muscarinic M1-M5, to M5, and H1 receptors. Dosages. Olanzapine is available in 2, 5, 7, 10, 15, and 20-mg oral and form, orally disintegrating, tablets. The initial dosage for the treatment of psychosis is usually 5 or 10 mg. For acute mania, it is usually 10 or 15 mg given once daily. It is also available as 5, 10, 15, and 20 mg orally disintegrating tablets that might be useful for patients who have difficulty swallowing pills or who, cheek, their medication. A starting daily dose of 5 to 10 mg is recommended. After one week, the dosage can be raised to 10 mg a day. Given the long half-life, one week must be allowed to achieve each new steady-state blood level. Dosages and clinical use ranges vary, with 5 to 20 mg a day is most commonly used, but 30 to 40 mg a day is needed in treatment-resistant patients. A word of caution, however, is that the higher dosages are associated with increased extrapyramidal symptoms and other adverse effects, and dosages above 20 mg a day were not studied in the pivotal trials that led to the approval of olanzapine. The parenteral form of olanzapine is indicated for the treatment of acute agitation associated with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, and the IM dosage is 10 mg. Co-administration with benzodiazepines is not approved. Other formulations. Olanzapine is available as an extended-release injectable suspension. Relprev. Which is a long acting atypical IM injection indicated for the treatment of schizophrenia. It is injected deep in the gluteal region and should not be administered intravenously or subcutaneously, nor is it approved for deltoid administration. Before administering the injection, the administrator should aspirate the syringe for several seconds to ensure that no blood is visible. It carries a boxed warning for post injection delirium sedation syndrome, PDSS. Patients are at risk for severe sedation, including coma, and must be observed for three hours after each injection in a registered facility. In controlled studies, all patients with PDSS recovered, and there were no deaths reported. It is postulated that PDSS is secondary to increased levels of olanzapine secondary to accidental rupture of a blood vessel, causing extreme sedation or delirium. Patients should be managed as clinically appropriate and, if necessary, monitored in a facility capable of resuscitation. The injection can be given every two or four weeks, depending on the dosing guidelines. Drug interactions. Fluvoxamine, Luvox, and Cimetidine, Tagamet, increase, and carbamazepine and phenytoin decrease, serum concentrations of olanzapine. Ethanol increases olanzapine absorption by more than 25%, leading to increased sedation. Olanzapine has little effect on the metabolism of other drugs. Side Effects Other than clozapine, olanzapine consistently causes a more significant amount and more frequent weight gain than other atypicals. This effect is not dose-related and continues over time. Clinical trial data suggested peaks after 9 months, after which it may continue to increase more slowly. Somnolence, dry mouth, dizziness, constipation, dyspepsia, increased appetite, akathisia, and tremor are associated with olanzapine use. A small number of patients, 2%, may need to discontinue the use of the drug because of transaminase elevation. There is a dose-related risk of extrapyramidal symptoms. The manufacturer recommends a periodic, assessment of blood sugar and transaminases during treatment with olanzapine. There is an FDA-mandated warning about an increased risk of stroke among patients with dementia treated with SDAs but this risk is small and is outweighed by improved behavioral control that treatment may produce. Quetiapine, Seroquel. Indications. Quetiapine is indicated for the treatment of schizophrenia. It is also indicated for the acute treatment of manic episodes associated with bipolar eye disorder, both as monotherapy and as an adjunct to lithium or sodium valproate. It is also indicated as monotherapy for the acute treatment of depressive episodes associated with bipolar disorder and maintenance treatment of bipolar eye disorder as an adjunct to lithium or It also is indicated as adjunctive therapy to antidepressants for the treatment of MDD. Pharmacology: Quetiapine is a dibenzothiazepine, structurally related to clozapine, but it differs markedly from that agent in biochemical effects. It is rapidly absorbed from the GI tract, with peak plasma concentrations reached in one to two hours. The steady-state half-life is about seven hours, and optimal dosing is two or three times per day. Quetiapine, in addition to being an antagonist of D2 and 5-HT2, also blocks 5-HT6. D1 and H1 and alpha1 and alpha2 receptors it does not block muscarinic or benzodiazepine receptors the receptor antagonism for quetiapine is generally lower than that for other antipsychotic drugs and it is not associated with extrapyramidal symptoms dosages quetiapine is available in 25 50 100 200 300 and 400 mg tablets quetiapine dosing should begin at 25 mg twice daily with doses then increased by 25 to 50 mg dose every 2 to 3 days up to a target of 300 to 400 milligrams a day. Studies have shown efficacy in the range of 300 to 800 milligrams a day. In reality, more aggressive dosing is both tolerated and more effective. It has become evident that the target dose can be achieved more rapidly and that some patients benefit from dosages of as much as 1, to 1, mg a day. When used at higher doses, serial ECG studies are required. Despite its short elimination half-life, quetiapine can be given to many patients once a day. This dosing is consistent with the observation that quetiapine receptor occupancy remains even when concentrations in the blood have markedly declined. Quetiapine in doses of 25 to 300 mg at night has been used for insomnia. Other formulations. Quetiapine XR has comparable bioavailability to an equivalent dose of quetiapine administered 2 or 3 times daily. Quetiapine XR is given once daily, preferably in the evening, 3 to 4 hours before bedtime without food or a light meal to prevent an increase in CMAX. The usual starting dose is 300 mg, and it may be increased to 400 to 800 mg. Drug interactions The potential interactions between quetiapine and other drugs have been well studied. Phenytoin increases quetiapine clearance fivefold, no significant pharmacokinetic interactions have been noted. Avoid the use of quetiapine with drugs that increase the QT interval and in patients with risk factors for prolonged QT interval. The FDA has added a new warning about quetiapine. Cautioning prescribers about potential prolongation of the QT interval when above-recommended amounts of quetiapine are combined with specific drugs. Quetiapine should not be combined with other drugs that are known to prolong QTc. This includes Class 1A antiarrhythmics, e.g., quinidine, procainamide, or Class 3 antiarrhythmics, e.g., amiodarone, sotalol. Antipsychotic medications, e.g., ziprasidone, chlorpromazine, thioridazine. Antibiotics, e.g., ceftriaxone, moxifloxacin or any other class of medications known to prolong the QTC interval, e.g., pentamidine, levomethadyl acetate, methadone. Quetiapine should also be avoided in circumstances that may increase the risk of occurrence of torsade de points or sudden death, including, 1, a history of cardiac arrhythmias such as bradycardia, 2, hypokalemia or hypomagnesemia, 3, concomitant use of other drugs that prolong the QTC interval, and, 4, presence of congenital prolongation of the QT interval. Postmarketing cases also show increases in QT interval in patients who overdose on quetiapine. Side effects. Somnolence, postural hypotension, and dizziness are the most common adverse effects of quetiapine. These are usually transient and are best managed with initial gradual upward titration of the dosage. Quetiapine is the SDA least likely to cause extrapyramidal symptoms, regardless of dose. This makes it particularly useful in treating patients with Parkinson disease who develop dopamine agonist-induced psychosis. Prolactin elevation is rare and both transient and mild when it occurs. Quetiapine is associated with modest transient weight gain in some persons, but some patients occasionally gain a considerable amount of weight. The relationship between quetiapine and the development of diabetes is not as clearly established as are the cases involving the use of olanzapine. Small increases in heart rate, constipation, and a transient increase in liver transaminases may also occur. Initial concerns about cataract formation, based on animal studies, have not been borne out since the drug has been in clinical use. Nevertheless, it might be prudent to test for lens abnormalities early in treatment and periodically after that. Sopracidone, Geodin. Indications. Sopracidone is indicated for the treatment of schizophrenia. Sopracidone is also indicated as monotherapy for the acute treatment of manic or mixed episodes associated with bipolar eye disorder and as an adjunct to lithium or valproate for the maintenance treatment of bipolar eye disorder. Pharmacology. Sopracidone is a benzisothiazole Peak plasma concentrations of ziprasidone are reached in 2 to 6 hours. Steady state levels ranging from 5 to 10 hours are reached between the first and the third days of treatment. The mean terminal half life at steady state ranges from 5 to 10 hours, which accounts for the recommendation that twice daily dosing is necessary. Bioavailability doubles when ziprasidone is taken with food, and therefore it should be taken with food. Peak serum concentrations of IM ziprasidone occur after approximately 1 hour, with a half life of 2 to 5 hours. Ziprasidone, similar to the other SDAs, blocks 5 HT2A and D2 receptors. It is also an antagonist of 5-HT1D, 5-HT2C, D3, D4, alpha-1, and H1 receptors. It has a very low affinity for D1, M1, and alpha-2 receptors. Also, Cipracidone has agonist activity at the serotonin 5-HT1A receptors and is an SSRI and a norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. This action is consistent with clinical reports that Cipracidone has antidepressant-like effects in non-schizophrenic patients. Dosages. Cipracidone is available in 20, 40, 60, and 80 mg capsules. Cipracidone for IM use comes as a single-use 20 mg per milliliter vial. Oral cipracidone dosing should be initiated at 40 mg a day, divided into two daily doses. Studies have shown efficacy in the range of 80 to 160 mg a day, divided twice daily. In clinical practice, doses as high as 240 mg a day are being used. The recommended IM dosage is 10-20 to mg every 2 hours for the 10 mg dose and every 4 hours for the 20 mg dose. The maximum total daily dose of im Zapracidone is 40 mg. Other than interactions with other drugs that prolong the QTC complex, zupracidone appears to have a low potential for clinically significant drug interactions. Side effects. Somnolence, headache, dizziness, nausea, and lightheadedness are the most common adverse effects in patients taking zupracidone. The drug has almost no significant effects outside the CNS, is associated with almost no weight gain, and does not cause sustained prolactin elevation. Concerns about prolongation of the QTC complex have deterred some clinicians from using Zapracidone as a first choice. The QTC interval has been shown to increase in patients treated with 40 and 120 mg per day. Zapracidone is contraindicated in combination with other drugs known to prolong the QTC interval. These include, but are not limited to, dofetilide, sodalol, quinidine. Other class Ea and 3 antiarrhythmics, mesoridazine, thyoridazine, chlorpromazine, droperidol, pimazide, sparfloxacin, gatifloxacin, moxifloxacin, halofantrine, mefloquine, pentamidine, arsenic trioxide, levomethadyl acetate, dolocitron mesylate, probucol, and tacrolimus. Supracidone should be avoided in patients with congenital long QT syndrome and patients with a history of cardiac arrhythmias. Aripiprazole, Abilify. Aripiprazole is a potent 5-HT2A antagonist and is indicated for the treatment of both schizophrenia and acute mania. It is also approved for the augmentation of antidepressant agents in MDD. Aripiprazole is a D2 antagonist, but can also act as a partial D2 agonist. Partial D2 agonists compete at D2 receptors for endogenous dopamine, thereby producing a functional reduction of dopamine activity. Indications. Aripiprazole is indicated for the treatment of schizophrenia. Short-term, four-to-six-week studies comparing aripiprazole with haloperidol and risperidone in patients with schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder have shown comparable efficacy. Dosages of 15, 20, and 30 mg a day were found to be effective. Long-term studies suggest that aripiprazole is effective as a maintenance treatment at a daily dose of 15-30 to mg. Aripiprazole is also indicated for the acute and maintenance treatment of manic and mixed episodes associated with bipolar eye disorder. It is also used as adjunctive therapy to either lithium or valproate for the acute treatment of manic and mixed episodes associated with bipolar eye disorder. Arapiprazole is indicated for use as adjunctive therapy to antidepressants for the treatment of MDD. Arapiprazole is also indicated for the treatment of irritability associated with autistic disorder. Pharmacology. Arapiprazole is well absorbed, reaching peak plasma concentrations after 3 to 5 hours. Absorption is not affected by food. The mean elimination half-life of arapiprazole is about 75 hours. It has a weekly active metabolite with a half-life of 96 hours. These relatively long half-lives make aripiprazil suitable for once-daily dosing. Clearance is reduced in elderly persons. Aripiprazil exhibits linear pharmacokinetics and is primarily metabolized by CYP3A4 and CYP2D6 enzymes. It is 99% protein-bound. Aripiprazil is excreted in breast milk in lactating rats. Mechanistically, aripiprazole acts as a modulator, rather than a blocker, and acts on both postsynaptic D2 receptors and presynaptic autoreceptors. In theory, this mechanism addresses excessive limbic dopamine, hyperdopaminergic, activity and decreased dopamine, hypodopaminergic, activity in frontal and prefrontal areas, abnormalities that are thought to be present in schizophrenia. The absence of a complete D2 blockade in the striatal areas would be expected to minimize extrapyramidal symptoms. Aripiprazole is an alpha-1 adrenergic receptor antagonist, which may cause some patients to experience orthostatic hypotension. Similar to the so-called atypical antipsychotic agents, aripiprazole is a 5-HT2A antagonist. Other uses. A study of aggressive children and adolescents with oppositional defiant disorder or conduct disorder found that there was a positive response in about 60% of the subjects. In this study, vomiting and somnolence led to a reduction in initial aripiprazole dosage. Drug Interactions. Whereas carbamazepine and valproate reduce serum concentrations, ketoconazole, fluoxetine, paroxetine, and quinidine increase aripiprazole serum concentrations. Lithium and valproic acid, two drugs likely to be combined with aripiprazole when treating bipolar disorder, do not affect the steady-state concentrations of aripiprazole. Combined use with antihypertensives may cause hypotension. Drugs that inhibit CYP2D6 activity reduce aripiprazole elimination. Dosage and Clinical Guidelines Aripiprazol is available as 5, 10, 15, 20, and 30 mg tablets. The effective dosage range is 10 to 30 mg per day. Although the starting dosage is 10 to 15 mg per day, problems with nausea, insomnia, and akathisia have led to the use of lower than recommended starting dosages of aripiprazol. Many clinicians find that an initial dose of 5 mg increases tolerability. Side effects. The most commonly reported side effects of aripiprazol are headache, somnolence, agitation, dyspepsia anxiety, and nausea. Although it is not a frequent cause of extrapyramidal symptoms, aripiprazole does cause akathisia-like activation. Described as restlessness or agitation, it can be highly distressing and often leads to discontinuation of the medication. Insomnia is another common complaint. Data so far do not indicate that weight gain or diabetes mellitus have an increased incidence with aripiprazole. Prolactin elevation does not typically occur. Aripiprazole does not cause significant QTC interval changes. There have been reports of seizures. Acenopine, Safris. Indications. Acenopine is approved for the acute treatment of adults with schizophrenia and acute treatment of manic or mixed episodes associated with bipolar eye disorder with or without psychotic features in adults. Pharmacology. Acenopine has an affinity for several receptors, including serotonin, 5 HT2A and 5 HT2C, noradrenergic, alpha 2, and alpha 1. Dopaminergic, D3 and D4 receptors is higher than its affinity for D2 receptors, and histamine, H1. It has a negligible affinity for muscarinic 1 cholinergic receptors and hence less incidence of dry mouth, blurred vision, constipation, and urinary retention. The bioavailability is 35% via the sublingual, preferred, route, and it achieves peak plasma concentration in one hour. Acenopine is metabolized through glucuronidation and oxidative metabolism by CYP1A2, so CO administration with fluvoxamine and other CYP1A2 inhibitors should be done cautiously. Dosage. Acenopine is available as 5 and 10 mg sublingual tablets and should be placed under the tongue. This method is because the bioavailability of acenopine is less than 2% when swallowed, but is 35% when absorbed sublingually. The agent dissolves in saliva within seconds and is absorbed through the oral mucosa. Sublingual administration avoids first-pass hepatic metabolism. Patients should be advised to avoid drinking or eating for 10 minutes after taking acenopine because this may lower the blood levels. The recommended starting and target dose for schizophrenia is 5 mg twice a day. In bipolar disorder, the patient may be started on 10mg twice a day, and if necessary, the dosage may be lowered to 5mg twice a day, depending on the tolerability issues. In acute schizophrenia treatment, there is no evidence of added benefit with a 10mg twice daily dose, but there is an apparent increase in specific adverse reactions. In both bipolar eye disorder and schizophrenia, the maximum dose should not exceed 10mg two times a day. The safety of doses above 10mg twice a day has not been evaluated in clinical studies. Side Effects The most common side effects observed in schizophrenic and bipolar disorders are somnolence, dizziness, extrapyramidal symptoms other than akathisia, and increased weight. In clinical trials, the mean weight gain after 52 weeks is 0. kilogram, and there were no clinically relevant differences in lipid profile and blood glucose after 52 weeks. In clinical trials, acenapine was found to increase the QTC interval in a range of 2 to 5 milliseconds compared to placebo. No patients treated with acenapine experienced QTc increases 60 milliseconds or greater from baseline measurements. Nor did any experience a QTc of 500 milliseconds or more. Nevertheless, acenapine should be avoided in combination with other drugs known to prolong QTc interval in patients with congenital prolongation of QT interval or a history of cardiac arrhythmias, and in circumstances that may increase the occurrence of torsades de points. Acenapine can elevate prolactin levels, and the elevation can persist during chronic administration. Galactorrhea, amenorrhea gynecomastia, and impotence may occur. Clozapine, closerol. Indications. In addition to being the most effective drug treatment for patients who have failed to respond to standard therapies, clozapine has been shown to benefit patients with severe tardive dyskinesia. Clozapine suppresses these dyskinesias, but the abnormal movements return when clozapine is discontinued. This suppression is true even though clozapine, on rare occasions, may cause tardive dyskinesia. Other clinical situations in which clozapine may be used include the treatment of psychotic patients intolerant of extrapyramidal symptoms caused by other agents, treatment-resistant mania, severe psychotic depression, idiopathic Parkinson disease, Huntington disease, and suicidal patients with schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder. Other treatment-resistant disorders that have demonstrated response to clozapine include pervasive developmental disorder, autism of childhood, and OCD, either alone or in combination with an SSRI. Used by itself, clozapine may very rarely induce obsessive-compulsive symptoms. Pharmacology. Clozapine is a dibenzothiazepine. It is rapidly absorbed, with peak plasma levels reached in about 2 hours. Steady state is achieved in less than 1 week if twice-daily dosing is used. The elimination half-life is about 12 hours. Clozapine has two significant metabolites, one of which, N-dimethyl-clozapine, may have some pharmacologic activities. Clozapine is an antagonist of 5-HT2A, D1, D3, D4, and alpha, especially alpha-1, receptors. It has relatively low potency as a D2 receptor antagonist. Data from PET scanning show that whereas 10 mg of haloperidol produces 80% occupancy of striatal D2 receptors, clinically significant dosages of clozapine occupy only 40-50% of striatal D2 receptors. This difference in D2 receptor occupancy is probably why clozapine does not cause extrapyramidal symptoms. It has also been postulated that clozapine and other SDAs bind more loosely to the D2 receptor, and because of this, fast dissociation, more normal dopamine neurotransmission is possible. Dosages. Clozapine is available in 25 and 100 mg tablets. The initial dosage is usually 25 mg one or two times daily, although a conservative initial dosage is 12 mg twice daily. The dosage can then be increased gradually, 25 mg a day every two or three days to 300 mg a day in divided doses, usually two or three times a day. Dosages up to 900 mg a day can be used. Testing for blood concentrations of clozapine may be helpful in patients who fail to respond. Studies have found that plasma concentrations greater than 350 micrograms per milliliter are associated with a better likelihood of response. Drug Interactions. Clozapine should not be used with any other drug that is associated with the development of a granulocytosis or bone marrow suppression. Such drugs include carbamazepine, phenytoin propylthiauracil, sulfonamides, and captopril, capitin. Lithium combined with clozapine may increase the risk of seizures, confusion, and movement disorders. Lithium should not be used in combination with clozapine by persons who have experienced an episode of neuroleptic malignant syndrome. Clomipramine, anaphronil, can increase the risk of seizure by lowering the seizure threshold and by increasing clozapine plasma concentrations. Risperidone, fluoxetine, paroxetine, and fluvoxamine increase serum concentrations of clozapine. The addition of paroxetine may precipitate clozapine-associated neutropenia. Side effects. The most common drug-related adverse effects are sedation, dizziness, syncope, tachycardia, hypotension, electrocardiography, ECG, changes, nausea, and vomiting. Other common adverse effects include fatigue, weight gain, various GI symptoms, most commonly constipation, anticholinergic effects, and subjective muscle weakness. Sialorrhea, or hypersalivation is a side effect that begins early in treatment and is most evident at night. Patients report that their pillows are drenched with saliva. This side effect is most likely the result of impairment of swallowing. Although there are reports that clonidine or amitriptyline may help reduce hypersalivation, the most practical solution is to put a towel over the pillow. The risk of seizures is about 4% in patients taking dosages greater than 600 mg a day. Leukopenia, granulocytopenia, agranulocytosis, and fever occur in about 1% of patients. During the first year of treatment, there is a 0% risk of clozapine induced agranulocytosis. The risk during the second year is 0%. For neutropenia, the risk is 2% and 0%, respectively, during the first and second years of treatment. The only contraindications to the use of clozapine are a WBC count below 3 cells per millimeter, a previous bone marrow disorder, a history of agranulocytosis during clozapine treatment or the use of another drug that is known to suppress the bone marrow, such as carbamazepine, tegratol. During the first six months of treatment, weekly WBC counts are indicated to monitor the patient for the development of a granulocytosis. If the WBC count remains normal, the frequency of testing can be decreased to every two weeks. Although monitoring is expensive, an early indication of a granulocytosis can prevent a fatal outcome. Clozapine should be discontinued if the WBC count is below 3, cells per millimeter or the granulocyte count is below 1, per millimeter. Also, a hematologic consultation should be obtained, and obtaining a bone marrow sample should be considered. Persons with a granulocytosis should not be re-exposed to the drug. Clozapine cannot be dispensed without proof of monitoring. Patients exhibiting symptoms of chest pain, shortness of breath, fever, or tachypnea should be immediately evaluated for myocarditis or cardiomyopathy, an infrequent but serious adverse effect ending in death. Serial CPKMB, creatine phosphokinase with myocardial band fractions troponin levels, and ECG studies are recommended, with immediate discontinuation of clozapine. Iloperidone, Phenapt. Indications. Iloperidone, Phenapt, is indicated for the acute treatment of schizophrenia in adults. The safety and efficacy of iloperidone in children and adolescents has not been established. Pharmacology. Iloperidone is not a derivative of another antipsychotic agent. It has complex multiple antagonist effects on several neurotransmitter systems, Iloperidone has a strong affinity for dopamine D3 receptors, followed by decreasing affinities of alpha-2C noradrenergic, 5-HT1A, D2A, and 5-HT6 receptors. Iloperidone has a low affinity for histaminergic receptors. As with other antipsychotics, the clinical significance of this receptor-binding affinity is unknown. Iloperidone has a peak concentration of 2-4 hours and a half-life that is dependent on hepatic isoenzyme metabolism. It is metabolized primarily through CYP2D6 and CYP3A4, and the dosage should be reduced by half when administered concomitantly with potent inhibitors of these two ice enzymes. The half-life is 18-26 to 26 hours in CYP2D6 extensive metabolizers and is 31-37 to 37 hours in CYP2D6 poor metabolizers. Of note, approximately 7-10% to 10% of whites and 3-8% to 8% of African Americans cannot metabolize CYP2D6 substrates. Hence, dosing should be determined with this caveat in mind. Iloperidone should be used with caution in persons with severe hepatic impairment. Side Effects Iloperidone prolongs the QT interval and may be associated with arrhythmia and sudden death. Iloperidone prolongs the QTC interval by 9 milliseconds at dosages of 12 mg twice daily. Concurrent use with other agents that prolong the QTC interval may result in additive effects on the QTC interval. The concurrent use of iloperidone with agents that prolong the QTC interval may result in potentially life-threatening cardiac arrhythmias, including torsades de points. Concurrent administration of other drugs that are known to prolong the QTC interval should be avoided. Cardiovascular disease, hypokalemia, hypomagnesemia, bradycardia, congenital prolongation of the QT interval, and concurrent use of inhibitors of 3 Cypriot pounds A4 or CYP2D6, which metabolize iloperidone, may increase the risk of QT prolongation. The most common adverse effects reported are dizziness, dry mouth, fatigue, sedation, tachycardia, and orthostatic hypotension, depending on dosing and titration. Despite being a robust D2 antagonist, the rates of extrapyramidal symptoms in akathisia are similar to those of placebo. The mean weight gain in short and long-term trials is 2. kg. Due to its relatively limited use, there is no accurate understanding of iloperidone's effects on weight and lipids. Some patients exhibit elevated prolactin levels. Three cases of priapism have been reported in the pre-marketing phase. Dosing. Iloperidone must be titrated slowly to avoid orthostatic hypotension. It is available in a titration pack, and the effective dose, 12 mg, should be reached in approximately 4 days based on a -a twice-a-day dosing schedule. It is usually started on day 1 at 1 mg twice a day and increased daily on a -a twice-a-day schedule to reach 12 mg by day 4. The maximum recommended dose is 12 mg twice a day, 24 mg a day, and it can be administered without regard to food. Laracidone HCL, Latuda. Indications. Laracidone hydrochloride is an oral, once daily atypical antipsychotic indicated for the treatment of patients with schizophrenia. To date, there has not been extensive clinical experience with laracidone. Side effects. The most commonly observed adverse reactions associated with the use of laracidone are similar to those seen with other new generation antipsychotics. These include, but are not limited to, somnolence, akathisia, nausea, parkinsonism, and agitation. Based on clinical trial data, loracidone appears to cause less weight gain and metabolic changes than the two other most recently approved SDAs, acenapine and iloperidone. More extensive clinical experience with the drug is required to determine whether this is, in fact, the case. Drug Interactions When CO administration of loracidone with a moderate CYP3A4 inhibitor such as diltiazem is considered, the dose should not exceed 40 mg per day. Loracidone should not be used in combination with a potent CYP3A4 inhibitor, e.g., ketoconazole. Laracidone also should not be used in combination with a potent CYP3A4 inducer, e.g., rifampin. Dosages. Liracidone is available as 20, 40, 80, and 120 mg tablets. Initial dose titration is not required. The recommended starting dose is 40 mg once daily, and the medication should be taken with food. It is effective in a dose range of 40 to 120 mg per day. Although there is no proven added benefit with the 120 mg per day dose, there may be a dose-related increase in adverse reactions. Still, some patients may benefit from the maximum recommended dose of 160 mg per day. Dose adjustment is recommended in patients with renal impairment. The dose in moderate to severe renal impairment should not exceed 80 mg per day. The dose in severe hepatic impairment patients should not exceed 40 mg per day. Lumateperone, caplita. Lumateperone was approved by the FDA for the treatment of schizophrenia in adults in December 2019 and became available in February 2020. It antagonizes several receptors, including 5-HT2A receptor, D1, D2, and D4. Although effective for schizophrenia, several studies of its effectiveness in bipolar depression had disappointing results. It is available in several doses, although the highest FDA-approved dose is 42 mg. As this is a new drug, experience with it in post-study clinical samples is very limited. Clinical Guidelines for SDAs All SDAs are appropriate for the management of an initial psychotic episode but clozapine is reserved for persons who are refractory to all other antipsychotic drugs. If a person does not respond to the first SDA, other SDAs should be tried. The choice of drugs should be based on the patient's clinical status and history of response to medication. Recent studies have challenged the notion that SDAs require 4-6 weeks to reach full effectiveness, and it may take up to 8 weeks for the full clinical effects of an SDA to become apparent. The newer meta-analyses suggest that the apparent benefits may be seen as early as 2-3 weeks and early response or failure is an indicator of subsequent response or failure. Nevertheless, it is acceptable practice to augment an SDA with a high-potency draw or benzodiazepine in the first few weeks of use. Lorazepam, Ativan, 1-2 mg orally or IM can be used as needed for acute agitation. Once effective, dosages can be lowered as tolerated. Clinical improvement may take 6 months of treatment with SDAs in some, particularly treatment-refractory persons. The use of all SDAs must be initiated at low dosages and gradually tapered upward to therapeutic dosages. The potential development of adverse effects necessitates the gradual increase in dosage. If a person stops taking an SDA for more than 36 hours, drug use should be resumed at the initial titration schedule. After the decision to terminate olanzapine or clozapine use, dosages should be tapered whenever possible to avoid cholinergic rebound symptoms such as diaphoresis, flushing, diarrhea, and hyperactivity. After assuring themselves of the appropriateness of SDA treatment, the clinician should explain the risks and benefits of SDA treatment to the person and the family. In the case of clozapine, an informed consent procedure should be documented in the person's chart. The patient's history should include information about blood disorders, epilepsy, cardiovascular disease, hepatic and renal diseases, and drug abuse. The presence of a hepatic or renal disease necessitates using low starting dosages of the drug. The physical examination should include supine and standing BP measurements to screen for orthostatic hypotension. The laboratory examination should include an ECG and several complete blood counts, CBCs, with WBC counts, which can then be averaged, and liver and renal function tests. Periodic monitoring of blood glucose, lipids, and body weight is recommended. Although the transition from a draw to an SDA may be made abruptly, it is wiser to taper off the draw slowly while titrating up the SDA. Clozapine and olanzapine both have anticholinergic effects, and the transition from one to the other can usually be accomplished with little risk of cholinergic rebound. The transition from risperidone to olanzapine is best accomplished by tapering the risperidone off over three weeks while simultaneously beginning olanzapine at 10 mg a day. Risperidone, quetiapine, and ziprasidone lack anticholinergic effects, and the abrupt transition from a draw, olanzapine, or clozapine to one of these agents may cause cholinergic rebound, which consists of excessive salivation, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. The risk of cholinergic rebound can be mitigated by initially augmenting risperidone, quetiapine, or ziprasidone with an anticholinergic drug, which is then tapered off slowly. Any initiation and termination of SDA use should be accomplished gradually. It is wise to overlap the administration of the new drug with the old drug. Of interest, some people have a more robust clinical response while taking the two agents during the transition and then regressing on monotherapy with the newer drug. We know little about the safety of combination antipsychotic treatment. Persons receiving regular injections of depot formulations of a draw who are to switch to SDA use are given the first dose of the SDA on the day the next injection is due. Persons who developed agranulocytosis while taking clozapine can safely switch to olanzapine use. Although initiation of olanzapine use amid clozapine-induced agranulocytosis can prolong the time of recovery from the usual 3-4 days up to 11-12 to days. It is prudent to wait for the resolution of agranulocytosis before initiating olanzapine use. Emergence or recurrence of a granulocytosis has not been reported with olanzapine, even in persons who developed it while taking clozapine. SDA use by pregnant women has not been studied, but consideration should be given to the potential of risperidone to raise prolactin concentrations, sometimes up to 3-4 to times the upper limit of the normal range. Because the drugs can be excreted in breast milk, they should not be taken by nursing mothers. The dosages for selected SDAs are given in Table 21-9. Dopamine receptor antagonists, first-generation antipsychotics. The drugs represent the first group of effective agents for schizophrenia and other psychotic illnesses. The first of these drugs, the phenothiazine chlorpromazine, thorazine, was introduced in the early 1950s. Other dross include all of the antipsychotics in the following groups, phenothiazines, butyrophenones, thioxanthenes, dibenzoxazepines, dihydroindoles, and diphenylbutylpiperidines. Because these agents are associated with extrapyramidal side effects, extrapyramidal symptoms, at clinically effective dosages, newer antipsychotic drugs, the SDAs, have gradually replaced the older agents in the United States. The SDAs are differentiated from earlier drugs by their lower liability to cause extrapyramidal side effects. These newer drugs have other liabilities, most notably a propensity to cause weight gain, lipid elevations, and diabetes. Therefore, a reason to still consider the use of the dross is their lower risk of causing significant metabolic abnormalities. Intermediate potency dross, such as profenazine, trilophon, are as effective and well-tolerated as the SDAs. Manufacturing of molindone, mobin, the draw with the lowest risk of weight gain and metabolic side effects, was discontinued in the United States. Pharmacologic actions. All of the draws are well-absorbed after oral administration, with liquid preparations being absorbed more efficiently than tablets or capsules. Peak plasma concentrations are usually reached 1-4 hours after oral administration and 30-60 minutes after parenteral administration. Smoking, coffee, antacids, and food interfere with the absorption of these drugs. Steady-state levels are reached in approximately 3 to 5 days. The half-lives of these drugs are approximately 24 hours. All can be given in one daily oral dose if tolerated after the patient is in a stable condition. Most dross are highly protein-bound. Parenteral formulation of the dross results in a more rapid and more reliable onset of action. Bioavailability is also up to tenfold higher with parenteral administration. Most dross are metabolized by cytochrome P450. CYP, CYP2D6 and 3A isozymes. However, there are differences among the specific agents. Table 21-9. Comparison of usual dosing for some available second-generation antipsychotics in schizophrenia. Long-acting depot parenteral formulations of haloperidol, Haldol-decanote, and flufenazine are available in the United States. These agents are usually administered once every 1-4 to 4 weeks, depending on the dose and the patient. It can take up to 6 months of treatment with depot formulations to reach steady-state plasma levels, indicating that oral therapy should be continued during the first month or so of DEPO antipsychotic treatment. Antipsychotic activity derives from the inhibition of dopaminergic neurotransmission. The DROS are effective when approximately 72% of dopamine D2 receptors in the brain are occupied. The DROS also block noradrenergic, cholinergic, and histaminergic receptors, with different drugs having different effects on these receptor systems. Some generalizations can be made about the dross based on their potency. Potency refers to the amount of drug that is required to achieve therapeutic effects. Low-potency drugs such as chlorpromazine and thiuridazine, melarol, given in doses of several 100 mg per day, typically produce more weight gain and sedation than high-potency agents such as haloperidol and flufenazine, usually given in doses of less than 10 mg per day. High-potency agents are also more likely to cause extrapyramidal symptoms, some factors influencing the pharmacologic actions of DROS are listed in Table 21 to 10. Therapeutic Indications Many types of psychiatric and neurologic disorders may benefit from treatment with DROS. Some of these indications are shown in Table 21 to 11. Schizophrenia and Schizoaffective Disorder The DROS are useful in both the short and long term management of schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder. They both reduce acute symptoms and prevent future exacerbations. These agents produce their most dramatic effects on the positive symptoms of schizophrenia e.g., hallucinations, delusions, and agitation. Negative symptoms, e.g., emotional withdrawal and ambivalence, are less likely to improve significantly, and they may appear to worsen because these drugs produce constriction of facial expression and akinesia, side effects that mimic negative symptoms. Table 21-10. to 10. Factors influencing the pharmacokinetics of antipsychotics. Age. Elderly patients may demonstrate reduced clearance rates. Medical condition. Decreased hepatic blood flow can reduce clearance. Hepatic disease can decrease clearance. Enzyme inducers: carbamazepine, phenytoin, ethambutol, barbiturates. Clearance inhibitors include SSRIs, TCAs, cimetidine, beta blockers, isoniazid, methylphenidate, erythromycin, triazolobenzodiazepines, ciprofloxacin, and ketoconazole. Changes in binding protein: hypoalbuminemia can occur with malnutrition or hepatic failure. SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. TCA, tricyclic antidepressant. Adapted from Arishevsky L. Pharmacokinetics and drug interactions. Update for new antipsychotics. J. Clin. Psychiatry, 1996, 57, supple 11, 12 25. Schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder are characterized by remission and relapse. Drugs decrease the risk of reemergence of psychosis in patients who have recovered while on medication. After the first episode of psychosis, patients should be maintained on medication for one to two years. After multiple episodes, for two to five years. Mania. DRAWs are useful for treating psychotic symptoms of acute mania. Because antimanic agents, e.g., lithium, generally have a slower onset of action than do antipsychotics in the treatment of acute symptoms, it is standard practice to initially combine either a DRAW or an SDA with lithium, escalith, sodium valproate, depicot, lamotrigine, lamictal, or carbamazepine, tegretol, and then to withdraw the antipsychotic gradually. Table 21 to 11 indications for dopamine receptor antagonists acute psychotic episodes in schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder maintenance treatment in schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorders mania depression with psychotic symptoms delusional disorder borderline personality disorder substance-induced psychotic disorder delirium and dementia mental disorders caused by a medical condition childhood schizophrenia autism spectrum disorder tourette disorder huntington disease Depression with psychotic symptoms. Combination treatment with an antipsychotic and an antidepressant is one of the treatments of choice for MDD with psychotic features, the other is ECT. Delusional disorder. Patients with delusional disorder often respond favorably to treatment with these drugs. Some persons with borderline personality disorder who develop paranoid thinking may respond to antipsychotic drugs. Severe agitation and violent behavior. Severely agitated and violent patients, regardless of diagnosis, may be treated with dross. Symptoms such as extreme irritability, lack of impulse control, severe hostility, gross hyperactivity, and agitation respond to short-term treatment with these drugs. Children with mental disabilities, especially those with profound intellectual disabilities and autistic disorder, often have associated episodes of violence, aggression, and agitation that respond to treatment with antipsychotic drugs. However, the repeated administration of antipsychotics to control disruptive behavior in children is controversial. Tourette Disorder Dross are used to treat Tourette's disorder, a neurobehavioral disorder marked by motor and vocal tics. Haloperidol and Pimazide, orip, are the drugs most frequently used, but other dross are also useful. Some clinicians prefer to use clonidine, catepris, for this disorder because of its lower risk of neurologic side effects. Borderline Personality Disorder. Patients with borderline personality disorder who experience transient psychotic symptoms, such as perceptual disturbances, suspiciousness, ideas of reference, and aggression, may need to be treated with a draw. This disorder is also associated with mood instability, so patients should be evaluated for possible treatment with mood-stabilizing agents. Dementia and Delirium. About two-thirds of agitated, elderly patients with various forms of dementia improve when given a draw. Low doses of high-potency drugs, e.g., 0 to 1 mg a day of haloperidol, are recommended. Draws are also used to treat psychotic symptoms and agitation associated with delirium. The cause of the delirium needs to be determined because toxic deliriums caused by anticholinergic agents can be exacerbated by low-potency dross, which often have significant antimuscarinic activity. Orthostasis, Parkinsonism, and worsened cognition are the most problematic side effects in this elderly population. Substance-induced psychotic disorder. Intoxication with cocaine, amphetamines, alcohol, phencyclidine, or other drugs can cause psychotic symptoms. Because these symptoms tend to be time-limited, it is preferable to avoid the use of a draw unless the patient is severely agitated and aggressive. Usually, benzodiazepines can be used to calm the patient. Benzodiazepines should be used instead of dross in cases of fencyclidine intoxication. When a patient is experiencing hallucinations or delusions as a result of alcohol withdrawal, dross may increase the risk of seizure. Childhood Schizophrenia Children with schizophrenia benefit from treatment with antipsychotic medication, although considerably less research has been devoted to this population. Studies are underway to determine if intervention with medication at the very earliest signs of disturbance in children genetically at risk for schizophrenia can prevent the emergence of more florid symptoms. Careful consideration needs to be given to side effects, especially those involving cognition and alertness. Other psychiatric and non psychiatric indications. The DROSS reduce the chorea in the early stages of Huntington disease. Patients with this disease may develop hallucinations, delusions, mania, or hypomania. These and other psychiatric symptoms respond to DROSS. High-potency DROS should be used. However, clinicians should be aware that patients with a rigid form of this disorder may experience acute extrapyramidal symptoms. The use of DROS to treat impulse control disorders should be reserved for patients in whom other interventions have failed. Patients with autism spectrum disorder may exhibit hyperactivity, screaming, and agitation with combativeness. Some of these symptoms respond to high-potency DROS, but there is little research evidence supporting benefits in these patients. The rare neurologic disorders balismus and hemibalismus, which affect only one side of the body, characterized by propulsive movements of the limbs away from the body, also respond to treatment with antipsychotic agents. Other miscellaneous indications for the use of Dross include the treatment of nausea, emesis, intractable hiccups, and pruritus. Endocrine disorders and temporal lobe epilepsy may be associated with psychosis that responds to antipsychotic treatment. The most common side effects of Dross are neurologic. As a rule, low-potency drugs cause the most non-neurologic adverse effects, and high-potency drugs cause the most neurologic adverse effects. Precautions and adverse reactions. Table 21-12 summarizes the most common adverse events associated with the use of DROS. Neuroleptic malignant syndrome, a potentially fatal side effect of draw treatment, neuroleptic malignant syndrome, can occur at any time during draw treatment. Symptoms include extreme hyperthermia, severe muscular rigidity, and dystonia, akinesia, mutism, confusion agitation, and increased pulse rate in BP. Laboratory findings include increased WBC count and levels of creatinine phosphokinase, liver enzymes, plasma myoglobin, and myoglobinuria, occasionally associated with renal failure. The symptoms usually evolve over 24 to 72 hours, and the untreated syndrome lasts 10 to 14 days. The diagnosis is often missed in the early stages, and the withdrawal or agitation may mistakenly be considered to reflect increased psychosis. Men are affected more frequently than are women, and young persons are affected more commonly than are elderly persons. The mortality rate can reach 20-30%, or even higher, when depot medications are involved. Rates are also increased when high doses of high-potency agents are used. Table 21-12. Dopamine receptor antagonists, potency and adverse effects. If the neuroleptic malignant syndrome is suspected, the draw should be stopped immediately, and the following done. Medical support to cool the person monitoring of vital signs electrolytes fluid balance and renal output and symptomatic treatment of fever anti parkinsonian medications may reduce some of the muscle rigidity dantrolene dantrium a skeletal muscle relaxant 0 to 2 mg per kilogram every 6 hours up to a total dosage of 10 mg a day may be useful in the treatment of this disorder when the person can take oral medications dantrolene can be given in doses of 100 to 200 mg a day Bromocryptine. 20 to 30 mg a day in four divided doses, or amantadine can be added to the regimen. Treatment should usually be continued for 5 to 10 days. When drug treatment is restarted, the clinician should consider switching to a low potency drug or an SDA, although these agents, including clozapine, may also cause the neuroleptic malignant syndrome. Seizure threshold Dross may lower the seizure threshold. Chlorpromazine, thioridazine, and other low potency drugs are thought to be more epileptogenic than are high potency drugs. The risk of inducing a seizure by drug administration warrants consideration when the person already has a seizure disorder or brain lesion. Sedation. The blockade of histamine H1 receptors is the usual cause of sedation associated with dross. Chlorpromazine is the most sedating typical antipsychotic. The relative sedative properties of the drugs are summarized in Table 21-12. Giving the entire daily dose at bedtime usually eliminates any problems from sedation, and tolerance for this adverse effect often develops. Central Anticholinergic Effects. The symptoms of central anticholinergic activity include severe agitation, disorientation to time, person, and place, hallucinations, seizures, high fever, and dilated pupils. Stupor and coma may ensue. The treatment of anticholinergic toxicity consists of discontinuing the causal agent or agents, close medical supervision, and physostigmine, antilirium, eserine, 2 mg by slow intravenous, IV, infusion, repeated within 1 hour as necessary. Too much physostigmine is dangerous, and symptoms of physostigmine toxicity include hypersalivation and sweating. Atropine sulfate, 0. Mg can reverse the effects of physostigmine toxicity. Cardiac effects. The dross decrease cardiac contractility, disrupt enzyme contractility in cardiac cells, increase circulating levels of catecholamines, and prolong atrial and ventricular conduction time and refractory periods. Low-potency dross, particularly the phenothiazines, are usually more cardiotoxic than are high-potency drugs. One exception is haloperidol, which has been linked to abnormal heart rhythm, ventricular arrhythmias, torsades de points, and sudden death when injected IV. Pimozide, sulparide, and droperidol, a butyrophenone, also prolong the QTC interval and have been associated with torsades de points and sudden death. In one study, thioridazine was responsible for 28, 61%, of the 46 sudden antipsychotic deaths. In 15 of these cases, it was the only drug ingested, Chlorpromazine also causes prolongation of the QT and PR intervals, blending of the T waves, and depression of the Saint segment. These drugs are thus indicated only when other agents have been ineffective. Sudden death. Occasional reports of sudden cardiac death during treatment with may be the result of cardiac arrhythmias. Other causes may include seizure, asphyxiation, malignant hyperthermia, heat stroke, and neuroleptic malignant syndrome. However, there does seem to be an overall increased incidence of sudden death with antipsychotics. Orthostatic. Postural, hypotension. Orthostatic, postural, hypotension is most frequent with low-potency drugs, particularly chlorpromazine, thioridazine, and chlorprothixine. When using intramuscular, IM, low-potency dross, the clinician should measure the patient's BP, lying and standing, before and after the first dose and during the first few days of treatment. Orthostatic hypotension is mediated by adrenergic blockade and occurs most frequently during the first few days of treatment. Tolerance often develops for this side effect which is why the initial dosing of these drugs is lower than the usual therapeutic dose. Fainting or falls, although uncommon, may lead to injury. Patients should be warned of this side effect and instructed to rise slowly after sitting and reclining. Patients should avoid all caffeine and alcohol, should drink at least 2L of fluid a day, and if not under treatment for hypertension, should add liberal amounts of salt to their diet. Support hose may help some persons. Hypotension can usually be managed by having patients lie down with their feet higher than their heads and pump their legs as if bicycling. Volume expansion or vasopressor agents, such as norepinephrine, levofed, may be indicated in severe cases. Because hypotension is produced by alpha-adrenergic blockade, the drugs also block the alpha-adrenergic stimulating properties of epinephrine, leaving the beta-adrenergic stimulating effects untouched. Therefore, the administration of epinephrine results in a paradoxical worsening of hypotension and is contraindicated in cases of antipsychotic-induced hypotension. Pure alpha-adrenergic pressor agents, such as metaraminol, aramine, and norepinephrine, are the drugs of choice in the treatment of the disorder. Hematologic effects. Temporary leukopenia with a WBC count of about 3, is a common but not a serious problem. A granulocytosis, a life-threatening hematologic problem, occurs in about 1 in 10 persons treated with DROS. Thrombocytopenic or non-thrombocytopenic purpura, hemolytic anemias, and pancytopenia may rarely occur in persons treated with DROS. Although routine CBCs are not indicated, if a person reports a sore throat and fever, a CBC should be done immediately to check for the possibility of a severe blood dyscrasia. If blood index values are low, the administration of dross should be stopped, and the patient should be transferred to a medical facility. The mortality rate for the complication may be as high as 30%. Peripheral anticholinergic effects. Peripheral anticholinergic effects, such as dry mouth and nose, blurred vision, constipation, urinary retention, and mydriasis, are common. This is especially true with low-potency dross, for example, chlorpromazine, thiuridazine, meseridazine, serentil. Some persons may also have nausea and vomiting. Constipation should be treated with the usual laxative preparations, but severe constipation can progress to paralytic ileus. A decrease in the draw dosage is warranted in such cases. Pylocarpine, salagin, may be used to treat paralytic ileus, although the relief is only transitory. Bethanacol, uricoline, 20-40 mg a day, may be useful in some persons with urinary retention. Weight gain is associated with increased mortality and morbidity and with medication noncompliance. Low-potency dross may cause significant weight gain but not as much as is seen with the SDA's olanzapine, zyprexa, and clozapine, closerol. Molendone and perhaps loxapine, loxitane, appear to be least likely to cause weight gain. Endocrine effects. Blockade of the dopamine receptors in the tuberoinfandibular tract results in the increased secretion of prolactin, which can result in breast enlargement, galacteria, amenorrhea, an inhibited orgasm in women and impotence in men the sdas except risperidone risperdal are not significantly associated with an increase in prolactin levels and may be the drugs of choice for persons experiencing disturbing side effects from increased prolactin release sexual adverse effects both men and women taking dross can experience anorgasmia and decreased libido up to 50% of men who take antipsychotics report ejaculatory and erectile disturbances sildenafil viagra vardenafil levitra and tadalafil Cialis, are often used to treat psychotropic-induced orgasmic dysfunction, but they have not been studied in combination with the dross. Thyaritazine is mainly associated with decreased libido and retrograde ejaculation in men. Priapism and reports of painful orgasms have also been described, both possibly resulting from alpha-1 adrenergic antagonist activity. Skin and eye effects. Allergic dermatitis and photosensitivity may occur, especially with low-potency agents. Urticarial, maculopapular, petechial, and edematous eruptions may occur early in treatment, generally in the first few weeks, and remit spontaneously. A photosensitivity reaction that resembles a severe sunburn also occurs in some persons taking chlorpromazine. Persons should be warned of this adverse effect, should spend no more than 30 to 60 minutes in the sun, and should use sunscreens. Long-term chlorpromazine use is associated with blue-gray discoloration of skin areas exposed to sunlight. The skin changes often begin with a tan or golden brown color and progress to such colors as slate gray, metallic blue, and purple. These discolorations resolve when the patient is switched to another medication. Irreversible retinal pigmentation is associated with the use of thiuridazine at dosages above 1 mg a day. An early symptom of the side effect can sometimes be nocturnal confusion related to difficulty with night vision. The pigmentation can progress even after thiuridazine administration is stopped, finally resulting in blindness. It is for this reason that the maximum recommended dosage of thiuridazine is 800 mg per day. Patients taking chlorpromazine may develop a relatively benign pigmentation of the eyes, characterized by whitish-brown granular deposits concentrated in the anterior lens and posterior cornea and visible only by slit lens examination. The deposits can progress to opaque white and yellow-brown granules, often stellate. Occasionally, the conjunctiva is discolored by a brown pigment. No retinal damage is seen, and vision is rarely impaired. This condition gradually resolves when chlorpromazine is discontinued. Jaundice. Elevations of liver enzymes during treatment with a draw tend to be transient and not clinically significant. When chlorpromazine first came into use, cases of obstructive or cholestatic jaundice were reported, usually in the first month of treatment and heralded by symptoms of upper abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. This adverse effect was followed by fever, rash, eosinophilia, bilirubin in the urine, and increases in levels of serum bilirubin alkaline phosphatase, and hepatic transaminases. Reported cases are now sporadic, but if jaundice occurs, the medication should be discontinued. Overdoses. Overdoses typically consist of exaggerated draw side effects. Symptoms and signs include CNS depression, extrapyramidal symptoms, mydriasis, rigidity, restlessness, decreased deep tendon reflexes, tachycardia, and hypotension. The severe symptoms of overdose include delirium, coma, respiratory depression, and seizures. Haloperidol may be among the safest typical antipsychotics in overdose. After an overdose, electroencephalography EG, shows diffuse slowing and low voltage. An extreme overdose may lead to delirium and coma, with respiratory depression and hypotension. Life-threatening overdose usually involves the ingestion of other CNS depressants, such as alcohol or benzodiazepines. Activated charcoal, if possible, and gastric lavage should be administered if the overdose is recent. Emetics are not indicated because the antiemetic actions of the dross inhibit their efficacy. Seizures can be treated with IV diazepam or phenytoin. Hypotension can be treated with either norepinephrine or dopamine but not epinephrine. Pregnancy and lactation. There is a low correlation between the use of antipsychotics during pregnancy and congenital malformations. Nevertheless, antipsychotics should be avoided during pregnancy, particularly in the first trimester, unless the benefit outweighs the risk. High-potency drugs are preferable to low-potency drugs because low-potency drugs are associated with hypotension. Dross are secreted in the breast milk, although concentrations are low. Women taking these agents should be advised against breastfeeding. Drug Interactions. Many pharmacokinetic and pharmacodynamic drug interactions are associated with these drugs, Table 21-13. CYP2D6 is the most common hepatic isozyme involved in draw-pharmacokinetic interactions. Other common drug interactions affect the absorption of the dross. Antacids, activated charcoal, cholesteramine, questran, kaolin, pectin, and cymetidine, tagamet, taken within two hours of antipsychotic administration, can reduce the absorption of these drugs. Anticholinergics may decrease the absorption of the dross. The additive anticholinergic activity of the dross, anticholinergics, and tricyclic drugs may result in anticholinergic toxicity. Dijoxin, linoxin, and steroids, both of which decrease gastric motility, can increase drug absorption. Table 21-13. Antipsychotic drug interactions. Interacting medication. Mechanism. Clinical effect. Drug interactions assessed to have major severity. Beta-adrenergic receptor antagonists. Synergistic pharmacologic effect. Antipsychotic inhibits metabolism of propranolol. Antipsychotic increases plasma concentrations. Severe hypotension. Anticholinergics. Pharmacodynamic effects. Decreased antipsychotic effect. Additive anticholinergic effect. Anticholinergic toxicity. Barbiturates. Phenobarbital induces antipsychotic metabolism. Decreased antipsychotic concentrations. Carbamazepine. Induces antipsychotic metabolism. Up to 50% reduction in antipsychotic concentrations. Charcoal. Reduces GI absorption of antipsychotic and adsorbs drug during enterohepatic circulation. May reduce antipsychotic effect or cause toxicity when used to treat overdose or for GI disturbances. Cigarette smoking. Induction of microsomal enzymes. Reduced plasma concentrations of antipsychotic agents. Epinephrine, norepinephrine. Antipsychotic antagonizes pressor effect. Hypotension. Ethanol. Additive CNS depression. Impaired psychomotor status. Fluvoxamine. Fluvoxamine inhibits metabolism of haloperidol and clozapine. Increased concentrations of haloperidol and clozapine. Guanethidine. Antipsychotic antagonizes guanethidine reuptake. Impaired antihypertensive effect. Lithium. Unknown. Rare reports of neurotoxicity. maperidine Additive CNS depression. Hypotension and sedation. Drug interactions assessed to have minor or moderate severity. Amphetamines, anorexians. Decreased pharmacologic effect of amphetamine. Diminished weight loss effect. Amphetamines may exacerbate psychosis. ACEIs. Additive hypotensive crisis. Hypotension, postural intolerance. Antacids containing aluminum. Insoluble complex formed in GI tract. Possible reduced antipsychotic effect. Alzheimer's disease nonspecific. Decreased metabolism of Alzheimer's disease through competitive inhibition. Increased Alzheimer's disease concentration. Benzodiazepines. Increased pharmacologic effect of the benzodiazepine. Respiratory depression, stupor, hypotension. Bromocryptine. Antipsychotic antagonizes dopamine receptor stimulation. Increased prolactin. Caffeinated beverages. Form precipitate with antipsychotic solutions. Possible diminished antipsychotic effect. Cimetidine. Reduced antipsychotic absorption and clearance. Decreased antipsychotic effect. Clonidine. Antipsychotic potentiates alpha-adrenergic hypotensive effect. Hypotension or hypertension. Disulfiram. Impairs antipsychotic metabolism. Increased antipsychotic concentrations. Methyldopa. Unknown. BP elevations. Phenytoin. Induction of antipsychotic metabolism. Decreased phenytoin metabolism. Decreased antipsychotic concentrations. Increased phenytoin levels. SSRIs. Impair antipsychotic metabolism. Pharmacodynamic interaction. Sudden onset of extrapyramidal symptoms. Valproic acid. Antipsychotic inhibits valproic acid metabolism. Increased valproic acid half life and levels. ACEI. Angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitor. Alzheimer's disease, antidepressant, BP, blood pressure, CNS, central nervous system, GI, gastrointestinal, SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. From Arishowski-L, Overman-GP, CARP-JK, Current Psychotropic Dosing and Monitoring Guidelines, Prim Psychiatry, 1996, 321, with permission. Phenothiazines, especially thioridazine, may decrease the metabolism of and cause toxic concentrations of phenytoin, Barbiturates may increase the metabolism of DROS. Tricyclic drugs and SSRIs that inhibit CYP2D6, paroxetine, paxil, fluoxetine, prozac, and fluvoxamine, luvox, interact with DROS, resulting in increased plasma concentrations of both drugs. The anticholinergic, sedative, and hypotensive effects of the drugs may also be cumulative. Typical antipsychotics may inhibit the hypotensive effects of alpha-methyldopa, aldamate. Conversely, typical antipsychotics may have an additive effect on some hypotensive drugs. Antipsychotic drugs have a variable effect on the hypotensive effects of clonidine. Propranolol, Inderol, CO administration increases the blood concentrations of both drugs. The dross potentiate the CNS depressant effects of the sedatives, antihistamines, opiates, opioids, and alcohol, particularly in persons with impaired respiratory status. When these agents are taken with alcohol, the risk for heat stroke may be increased. Cigarette smoking may decrease the plasma levels of the typical antipsychotic drugs. Epinephrine has a paradoxical hypotensive effect in persons taking typical antipsychotics. These drugs may decrease the blood concentration of warfarin, Coumadin, resulting in decreased bleeding time. The phenothiazines, thioridazine, and pimazide should not be co-administered with other agents that prolong the QT interval. Thioridazine is contraindicated in patients taking drugs that inhibit the CYP2D6 isoenzyme or in patients with reduced levels of CYP2D6 laboratory interferences chlorpromazine and perfenazine trilophon may cause both false positive and false negative results in immunologic pregnancy tests and falsely elevated bilirubin with reagent test strips and urobilinogen with ehrlich reagent test values these drugs are associated with an abnormal shift in the results of the glucose tolerance test however that shift may reflect the effects of the drugs on the glucose regulating system Phenothiazines have been reported to interfere with the measurement of 17 ketosteroids and 17 hydroxycorticosteroids and produce false positive results in tests for phenylketonuria. Dosage and clinical guidelines. Contraindications to the use of DROS include the following. 1. A history of a severe allergic response. 2. The possible ingestion of a substance that will interact with the antipsychotic to induce CNS depression, e.g., alcohol, opioids, barbiturates, and benzodiazepines, or anticholinergic delirium, e.g., scopolamine and possibly fencyclidine, pcp 3 the presence of a severe cardiac abnormality 4 a high risk for seizures 5 the presence of narrow-angle glaucoma or prostatic hypertrophy if a drug with high anticholinergic activity is to be used and 6 the presence or a history of tardive dyskinesia antipsychotics should be administered with caution in persons with hepatic disease because impaired hepatic metabolism may result in high plasma concentrations The usual assessment should include a CBC with WBC indexes, liver function tests, and electrocardiography, ECG, especially in women older than 40 years of age and men older than 30 years of age. Elderly persons and children are more sensitive to side effects than are young adults, so the dosage of the drug should be adjusted accordingly. Various patients may respond to widely different dosages of antipsychotics. Therefore, there is no set dosage for any given antipsychotic drug. Because of side effects, it is a reasonable clinical practice to begin at a low dosage and increase as necessary. It is important to remember that the maximal effects of a particular dosage may not be evident for 4-6 to six weeks. Available preparations and dosages of the dross are given in Table 21-14. Short-term treatment. The equivalent of 5-20 to mg of haloperidol is a reasonable dose for an adult in an acute state. An older adult may benefit from as little as 1 mg of haloperidol. The administration of more than 25 mg of chlorpromazine in one injection may result in profound hypotension. IM administration results in peak plasma levels in about 30 minutes versus 90 minutes using the oral route. Doses of drugs for IM administration are about half those given by the oral route. In a short-term treatment setting, the person should be observed for one hour after the first dose of medication. After that time, most clinicians administer a second dose or a sedative agent, e.g., a benzodiazepine, to achieve effective behavioral control. Possible sedatives include lorazepam, Ativan, 2 mg IM, and amobarbital, 50-250 to mg IM. Rapid neuroleptization. Rapid neuroleptization, also called psychotolysis, is the practice of administering hourly IM doses of antipsychotic medications until marked sedation is achieved. However, several research studies have shown that merely waiting several more hours after one dose yields the same clinical improvement as is seen with repeated doses. Nevertheless, clinicians must be careful to keep patients from becoming violent while they are psychotic. Clinicians can help prevent violent episodes by using adjuvant sedatives or by temporarily using physical restraints until the persons can control their behavior. Early treatment. A full six weeks may be necessary to evaluate the extent of the improvement in psychotic symptoms. However, agitation and excitement usually improve quickly with antipsychotic treatment. About 75% of persons with a short history of illness show significant improvement in their psychosis. Psychotic symptoms, both positive and negative, usually continue to improve 3 to 12 months after the initiation of treatment. Table 21-14. Dopamine receptor antagonists. About 5 mg of haloperidol or 300 mg of chlorpromazine as a usual effective daily dose. In the past, much higher doses were used, but evidence suggests that it resulted in more side effects without additional benefits. A single daily dose is usually given at bedtime to help induce sleep and to reduce the incidence of adverse effects. However, bedtime dosing for elderly persons may increase their risk of falling if they get out of bed during the night. The sedative effects of typical antipsychotics last only a few hours, in contrast to the antipsychotic effects, which last for 1-3 to days. Intermittent medications. It is a common clinical practice to order medications to be given intermittently as needed, PRN. Although this practice may be reasonable during the first few days that a person is hospitalized, the amount of time the person takes antipsychotic drugs, rather than an increase in dosage, is what produces therapeutic improvement. Clinicians on inpatient services may feel pressured by staff members to write PRN antipsychotic orders. Such orders should include specific symptoms, how often the drugs should be given, and how many doses can be given each day. Clinicians may choose to use small doses for the PRN doses, e.g., 2 mg of haloperidol, or use a benzodiazepine instead, e.g., 2 mg of lorazepam IM. If PRN doses of an antipsychotic are necessary after the first week of treatment, the clinician may want to consider increasing the standing daily dose of the drug. Maintenance treatment. The first three to six months after a psychotic episode are usually considered a period of stabilization. After that time, the dosage can be decreased by about 20% every six months until the minimum effective dosage is found. A person is usually maintained on antipsychotic medications for one to two years after the first psychotic episode. Antipsychotic treatment is often continued for five years after a second psychotic episode, and lifetime maintenance is considered after the third psychotic episode, although attempts to reduce the daily dosage can be made every six to 12 months. Antipsychotic drugs are effective in controlling psychotic symptoms, but persons may report that they prefer being off the drugs because they feel better without them. The clinician must discuss maintenance medication with patients and take into account their wishes, the severity of their illnesses, and the quality of their support systems. The clinician needs to know enough about the patient's life to try to predict upcoming stressors that might require increasing the dosage or closely monitoring compliance. Long-acting depot medications. Long-acting depot preparations may be needed to overcome problems with compliance. IM preparations are typically given once every one to four weeks. Two depot preparations, a decanote and an enanthate of flufenazine, and a decanote preparation of haloperidol, are available in the United States. The preparations are injected IM into an area of extensive muscle tissue, from which they are absorbed slowly into the blood. Decanote preparations can be given less frequently than enanthate preparations because they are absorbed more slowly. Although stabilizing a person on the oral preparation of the specific drugs is not necessary before initiating the depot form, it is good practice to give at least one oral dose of the drug to assess the possibility of an adverse effect, such as severe extrapyramidal symptoms or an allergic reaction. It is reasonable to begin with either 12. mg, 0. ml, of flufenazine preparation or 25 mg, 0. ml, of haloperidol decanote. If symptoms emerge in the next 2-4 to four weeks, the person can be treated temporarily with additional oral medications or with additional small depot injections. After three to four weeks, the depot injection can be increased to a single dose equal to the total of the doses given during the initial period. A good reason to initiate depot treatment with low doses is that the absorption of the preparations may be faster than usual at the onset of treatment, resulting in frightening episodes of dystonia that eventually discourage compliance with the medication. Some clinicians keep patients drug-free for three to seven days before initiating depot treatment and give small doses of the depot preparations. 3. Mg of flufenazine or 6. Mg of haloperidol. Every few days to avoid those initial problems. Plasma concentrations. Genetic differences among persons and pharmacokinetic interactions with other drugs influence the metabolism of the antipsychotics. If a person has not improved after four to six weeks of treatment, the plasma concentration of the drug should be determined if feasible. After a patient has been on a particular dosage for at least five times the half life of the drug and thus approaches steady state concentrations, blood levels may be helpful. It is standard practice to obtain plasma samples at trough levels just before the daily dose is given usually at least 12 hours after the previous dose and most commonly 20 to 24 hours after the previous dose most antipsychotics have no well-defined dose-response curve the best studied drug is haloperidol which may have a therapeutic window ranging from 2 to 15 nanograms per milliliter other therapeutic ranges that have been reasonably well documented are 30 to 100 nanogram per milliliter for chlorpromazine and 0 to 2 nanogram per milliliter for prophenazine treatment resistant persons Unfortunately, 10-35% to 35% of persons with schizophrenia do not obtain significant benefit from the antipsychotic drugs. Treatment resistance is a failure on at least two adequate trials of antipsychotics from two pharmacologic classes. It is useful to determine plasma concentrations for such persons because it is possible that they are slow or rapid metabolizers or are not taking their medication. Clozapine has been conclusively shown to be effective when given to patients who have failed multiple trials of DROS. Adjunctive Medications. It is common practice to use DROS in conjunction with other psychotropic agents, either to treat side effects or to improve symptoms further. Most commonly, this involves the use of lithium or other mood-stabilizing agents, SSRIs, or benzodiazepines. It was once held that antidepressant drugs exacerbated psychosis in patients with schizophrenia. In all likelihood, this observation involved patients with bipolar disorder who were misdiagnosed as having schizophrenia. Abundant evidence suggests that antidepressants improve symptoms of depression in patients with schizophrenia. In some cases, amphetamines can be added to DROS if patients remain withdrawn and apathetic. Choice of drug. Given their proven efficacy in managing acute psychotic symptoms and the fact that prophylactic administration of anti-Parkinsonian medication prevents or minimizes acute motor abnormalities, DROS are still valuable, especially for short-term therapy. There is a considerable cost advantage to a draw anti-Parkinsonian regimen compared with monotherapy with a newer antipsychotic agent. Concern about the development of draw-induced tardive dyskinesia is the primary deterrent to long-term use of these drugs, yet it is not clear that SDAs are entirely free of this complication. Thus, draws still occupy an important role in psychiatric treatment. Draws are not predictably interchangeable. For reasons that cannot be explained, some patients do better on one drug than another the choice of a particular draw should be based on the known adverse effect profile of the drugs. Other than a significant advantage in terms of medication cost, the choice currently would be an SDA. If a draw is thought to be preferable, a high-potency antipsychotic is favored, even though it may be associated with more neurologic adverse effects, mainly because there is a higher incidence of other adverse effects, e.g., cardiac, hypotensive, epileptogenic, sexual, and allergic, with the low-potency drugs. If sedation is the desired goal, either a low-potency antipsychotic can be given in divided doses, or a benzodiazepine can be co-administered. An unpleasant or dysphoric reaction, a subjective sense of restlessness, over-sedation, and acute dystonia, to the first dose of an antipsychotic predicts future inadequate response and noncompliance. Prophylactic use of anti-Parkinsonian medications may prevent this reaction. In general, clinicians should be vigilant about serious side effects and adverse events, described above, regardless of which drug is used.